0: From The West Australian, it's Wednesday the 13th of December. I'm Ben O'Shea and this is The West Live. The West Live. The West West Live West Live with Ben O'Shea. For most of us, the biggest worry we have over the festive season is finding a parking spot at the local shopping centre. But there are more West Aussies than ever who have much bigger problems, like keeping a roof over their head and food on the table. Demand for Lifeline WA's digital crisis support has exploded by 40% over the past five months, and now Lifeline is expecting an unprecedented festive season. Christmas can be a tough time for a lot of folks who might be dealing with mental health issues or loneliness because of a death of a loved one or because there estranged from their family. So Lifeline always gets calls at this time of year but the staggering increase compared with the same period last year has a lot to do with other factors like cost of living pressures. All of these pressures raise the risk of domestic violence in the home which is something that already goes up around Christmas. These are not easy problems to fix but having someone to talk to on the end of a phone line can be a big help so I want to give a shout out to Mineral Resources for giving Lifeline an early Christmas present 400 $150,000 to train 300 new crisis supporters over the next three years. WA is one of the luckiest states in Australia, so let's make sure that luck extends to the most vulnerable in our society. Coming up on today's show, the parasitic worm that could kill you, and the CEO of Foodbank will tell us just how tough it is for some West Aussie families right now. But first, let's see what's making news. The West, the West, the West. Making news. Joining me now in the studio is Sunrise correspondent Matt Tinney. G'day, mate. G'day, mate. Happy Hump Day, or almost Friday, as I'm calling it. (laughs) (laughs) Almost Friday. Yeah, I woke up this morning and thought, oh, we must be nearly at the end of the week. No, only halfway. Oh, Uh, we still have a long way to go to the end of the year. Clawing our way. Yeah, yeah. It is. It feels like a death march. But uh, now, the WA Police uh, have brought in drones to help fight crime. This yeah. is an interesting one. Yeah,
1: WO Police are spearheading an Australia first trial of the use of drones to respond to triple zero calls. Okay. So these drones are fitted with sophisticated cameras, spotlights, sirens and loudspeakers. They're the latest weapon in the war on crime. and early tests suggest a drone could be on site within two minutes, which is a fraction of the time it takes for a police patrol car to arrive usually. Uh, right now, WO Police are negotiating with the Civil Aviation Safety Authority to change flying rules because currently in order to pilot a drone, you need to have line of sight with that drone. So obviously police want to... Do bypass it from, that rule. They, they want to do, do it, it from, from the nerve station. center, or yeah, right. exactly. And um, so, yeah, there's a live tender for supply and delivery of drone in a box equipment at the moment.
0: Yeah, I wonder how it would work. Like, obviously, it's not going to be that useful in every situation. And and uh, like, if someone's broken into your house uh, and you've called the cops and you're under your bed, going, "Oh, I think there's somebody in my house." I don't know if the arrival of a drone in two minutes is really going to.
1: I don't know, but I mean, if it's got mind. cameras and yeah. it can record, yeah, it could get evidence. Maybe scare a crook.
0: Yeah, get some evidence. Yeah. I guess, and maybe maybe you've got would, someone on the run. sirens. You mm, know, like mm. I guess that sort of a thing may be enough to. If you've got sort of young kids vandalizing property and yeah, that sort of stuff. In some yeah. cases, I'm sure it'll be quite useful, mm. um, as long as the drone doesn't, you know. Crash into anybody? Uh, I think there's a, oh, there's all there's a few question marks. You've, you've always got that healthy level of skepticism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I think it's I think it's a good thing. Uh, and now I've got some skepticism about how uh, this safe space in the city uh, debacle has unfolded. Um, now the state government is weighing in uh, after initially maybe not weighing in earlier enough with funding to save it, um, but now they are going to do something. yes so
1: a new emergency night shelter for women that's backed by the City of Perth is this morning being considered by the State Government. Uh, Uniting WA has submitted a formal proposal to use a property on Aberdeen Street in Northbridge. Uh, The Premier has said that this formal proposal has landed on the Minister's desk and uh, the Minister will obviously have a look at it and make sure it's appropriate. Uh, The new facility could be opened by Christmas. It just needs that financial support from the State Government uh, which said the closure of the old facility was worsening a support service crisis. Mm. Surely, surely local government, state government can get together on this one and get this thing opened by Christmas. Well, is this a sign that they are talking to each other? Well, I mean, a proposal from Uniting WA has landed on the government's desk um, and City of Perth have kind of driven this along after closing the old one.
0: Yeah, well, let's just hope because it's coming into a tough time of year, as I said earlier on the show, and, uh, yeah, geez, uh, people need help. The most vulnerable in our society needs some help.
1: The one thing I don't like about this is how politics has been played here. I agree. you know, if there is an arena where politics should not be involved, it's the domestic violence space. Mm. That's my message to politicians. You know, yeah. you, use your kind of policy fights in areas where, you know, there's ideological differences. Yeah. Payroll or, tax. Yeah, exactly. do it over payroll go tax. For, Don't you know, fight over victims over your life on, of
0: domestic exactly,
1: violence. Exactly. Exactly. It's just, it's, here's a hot tip from the general public. It leaves people with a sour taste in their yeah. mouth over politics and, and what yep. politicians should be doing.
0: Absolutely. And now, This was a miracle escape on the Forest Highway yesterday. I could not believe the images of this pool, a swimming pool, hurtling through the front of a driver's windscreen. She is lucky to be alive today. So lucky. She got out of it almost
1: unscathed, just some scratches. So the Forest Highway has reopened after this driver's miracle escape uh, following a pile-up that sent a pool hurtling through her windscreen. Uh, Police say a truck ploughed into a queue of turning traffic on the highway and officers uh, have been questioning the truck driver. We're told he hasn't been arrested. Mm. Uh, No charges, but they are talking with the driver.
0: Yeah, so she's, this six-car pileup has happened around midday yesterday, and as these cars were kind of all being concertinaed together, this woman apparently, according to police, has has seen what was coming, has seen this swimming pool sort of heading towards uh, her windscreen and has just ducked down.
1: Down, Like yeah.
0: just instant split-second reaction. Just quick reaction uh, And exactly where her head would have been is where this the pool, pool has, come, has come straight through and almost mm. wiped off the top of her car. Uh, gosh, it's scary stuff. Stuff and uh, yeah, she should be buying a lotto ticket today. Oh, totally. Uh, as they say.
1: I'm always hesitant around driving around trucks or trailers when they're towing stuff. Yeah. Like, I always make my move to overtake yeah. very quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it's a, it's not a bad plan at all. And now Australia could make a world first decision to ban engineered stone. So you know, oh, Caesar these are the stone kitchen, the and kitchen, the kitchen tops. bench tops yes, that yes. are so popular. Like if you look at pretty yeah. much any new home these days, they have some kind of engineered stone bench top. It became yep. super fashionable. Long gone are the days of laminex bench tops. Ooh. It's all engineered stone these days, which looks wonderful. Looks, it looks lovely and it's easy to clean. Easy to clean. Yeah. It's a it's a, a, a wonderful surface, except for the people who it's have to work with it. Stone, it's a killer yeah. surface. Mm. Um, so hundreds of people in Australia are currently living with silicosis, which, you know, it's like you're talking about asbestosis, which was such a big deal a few years back. It yeah. still kind of is. But silicosis is is the, the new version, uh, which comes from working with uh, engineered stone, the dust, it's cutting it, which isn't is it? cutting yeah. it uh, and, and and polishing it. The fine silica dust that's released is breathed in. It goes through um, face mask. And stuff like that. And so now these tradies uh, have incurable lung disease amongst the stonemasons who work with it. Um, And you're talking about, you know, like at at the very least, you struggle to breathe, Um, you could need lung transplants and face an early death. Like it is an extremely horrible, horrible illness. Um, And there are apparently 700 workers' compensation claims for silicosis in the system in Australia at the moment. Um, And now the government is going to weigh it up at a meeting of all of the state and territory health ministers today. Um, Pretty much all the states have backed it. Cautiously, Um, leading retailers Bunnings and IKEA have announced that they plan to remove engineered stone products from sale. Um, Unions have threatened to stop uh, engineered stone entering work sites as early Mm. as next year. Um, But there has been pushback from the industry. They say that 10,000 people work in engineered stone in Australia, Um, and that's tradies that specialize in it, companies that specialize in installing it, and then, of course, there's the companies that sell the stuff. Um, So Yeah. It's even though the unions and health organisations are pushing for an instant ban, uh, that would definitely create a little bit of pain amongst a lot of small and medium-sized businesses. Mm. Um, what the, would we
1: use for our bench tops instead? Oh, that's a great question. Back Do we to go Lamin-X? Back to laminate. <laughs> I
0: can't imagine that. So the, the industry has said that there is products uh, that have lower levels of silica, twenty percent less silica. Um, but health organisations, including Safe Work Australia, have said there's no scientific evidence that there's a safe threshold for crystalline mm. silica so if it's 20% less who cares that might not make uh-huh. any difference um, unless it's 100% but less
1: it's, it's this engineered snow yeah, engineered so if you stone. just have some so if you're you actual know, marble, veritable marble yeah so
0: if you can shell out for actual marble how much marble is there in the world though is it unlimited
1: no, well, it's not unlimited. It can't be unlimited I don't right? think. No, I'm, I've been on trains in Italy where you've seen see the mountains, and I thought, oh, there's snow on the mountains, and that's, and that's the marble. The marble. Yeah, so there must be
0: a lot of it though, because you go into Kmart and you see, you know, marble cheese platters for five bucks, and you think, yeah, hey, but I
1: don't, I don't know that they're real marble. You
0: think that's engineered? <laughs> oh. I don't think it's real marble. Well, that explains the price, I guess. <laughs>
1: uh, and talking about talking about prices, talking about prices. You, hang on a minute. Hang on, I'm just going to pull you up there. You thought it came up that they're selling real marble? Yeah, I thought it was like
0: you know, like what is it, travertine, like Italian uh, marble? It's like you find in the Vatican. Same. And I was like, what what, a bargain that is! is.
1: If it is real marble, we should all go and buy it for ten bucks. Yeah,
0: it's. well, that's, we'll have to research that now. Yeah. Um, and also motorists will have to research where to get cheap petrol because prices are oh, set to rise up. tomorrow. They are going up. Uh, um, I got a good deal. I filled up yesterday $1.67, which I thought was pretty good. Um, but as of tomorrow at 6 a.m., the average price uh, of Perth's regular unleaded petrol will increase by 35 cents per litre oh. um, to 202 cents per litre. Anytime it's over 202, it's a bit rough. Um, uh, Ampol <laughs> is going up to 213.9. Oh, what? Uh, uh, so there you go, that's pretty expensive. But I've got some good news you can mm. still get a bargain if you're willing to shop around and drive around. Where do you have to go? Alpimos. Um, so if you're filling up today, you're going to have to go to the shell in High Wickham where you can get it for 161.9. That's pretty good. Mm. Dollar sixty, a uh, dollar fifty-eight at Costco. If you're willing to line up uh, in what will no doubt be a and huge ha- get line, a membership. Uh, and if you want to drive all the way to Alcamos, uh, there's a petrol station there. The X Convenience Petrol Station, dollar fifty-nine. There you go. So there you go. If you need to find the cheapest fuel, how many fuel,
1: people actually ever drive dri- to these areas to get cheap fuel? Just putting yeah. it out there. I mean, it's great if you live in the local area.
0: Yeah. I, I prefer to maybe just do twenty bucks at the at the yeah, expensive that's price.
1: Do. do you feel it's the power, isn't it? It's like I'm not going to fill my yeah, whole tank, no. Yeah. If you're charging that, that's although, not happening.
0: Although it does take me back to like the university days <laughs> when, <are> you, <laughs> when, when you could you, only afford when you twenty go bucks, in and, you, and you're a, you're a grown ass man, and you're going in like <laughs> just, just twenty bucks, thanks. <laughs> just twenty dollars, thank you. I'll be back later in the week. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the cost of living for you. Yeah. Uh, but you can you can check what, for the what cheapest do we call fuel. It? What was the shortening? Cosy lives, cosy lives. Uh, yeah. So you can you can find the cheapest fuel at any time by going to fuelwatch.wa.gov.au. Save yourself some money. Was uh, that an ad, or is that that was a news item? Was it? It was a news. Okay, sorry, just. Checking,
1: just checking.
0: <laughs> it's a public service <laughs> announcement. Uh, and, Maddie, we'll get you up a bit later for the Wild West. we Will do. See you, mate. As I mentioned at the top of the show, more West Aussies than ever are doing it tough right now, and that means a Christmas that might be far from festive for a lot of families. Joining us with an update is Foodbank WA CEO Kate O'Hara. Kate, welcome to The West Live
2: Morning, Ben. Great to be here and to um, get access to all your listeners to share the story.
0: Yeah, well, let's talk about that story. Just how bad is it out there at the moment?
2: Well, it's unprecedented. The um, shift that's occurred for a lot of households that actually have work, so they've got one or two people in the house working, they have been normally able to maintain all their costs, Today, they just can't. And these households tend to be younger households and that means often there's children involved.
0: Mm. And so what is going on? What is causing this uh, food insecurity and financial stress at the moment? Is it interest rates? Is it cost of living? All of those things combined?
2: It's definitely all of the things combined, but we see a trigger every time there's an interest rate rise and we track it week by week, month by month. So with every single interest rate rise, we see an immediate impact into the searches for food on our website. And that's not a bad thing. If people are facing a bit of a budget in, in difficulty, the thing that people can turn down quickest is the cost of food by coming to a food relief service, any of those that are available, and there's, there's a number of us. But if they can turn down that cost of food, then they can deal with a shift in their cost of housing. And in WA... You've got to keep hold of the housing because homes are critical. We don't have enough of them and we can't have any more people coming into the system of homelessness.
0: Yeah. And if you find yourself without a home, it's so hard to, to get a hold of one, whether it's the rental crisis or public housing. It is not good at all out there at the moment. Um, and now in terms of the people who are coming to food bank to access your services, what are they telling you? Uh, like, what are they experiencing on a day-to-day basis?
2: Well, we're saying all, we get the whole spectrum. We get every um, cultural background. We get every lifestyle type. We get people that have got kids in school, two jobs, down to people that have become recently homeless and, and caught the bus out to one of our branches. And the stories of the over 16,000 cardholders that we've issued over this year, they're every single one of them different. And too often people come to us and they say, I never ever thought I'd need help like this. But we're really thrilled to be able to welcome them, give them support, fill their car with food that can fill the fridge and the pantry so that they can get past the issue of getting a meal on the table or filling a lunch box and then they can deal with life's other issues which is why we have help when people come to three of our branches. We've got financial advisors there to talk to people to help them manage other things because some some people don't want to call the bank. They don't want to call the utilities company. They don't want to take those first steps to make sure they can keep their home because it's just such a hard thing to deal with. So there's a lot of tissues. There's a lot of smiles at the end of it. And we're just really privileged to have the job we do. Mm. And just to make it clear
0: to everybody listening, because WA is fortunate that we've got a high standard of living, a high average income, lots of people working in the resource sector who uh, do pretty well. Um, but we're talking about people who, as you pointed out then, don't have enough food to put in their kids' lunchbox at school. That that That's the reality here that we're talking about. Is that right,
2: Kate? Oh absolutely true. That is without question again the data points to it. We look at the amount of kilos we provide into the school breakfast program and the Department of Education's had us on that program for 20 plus years. The kilos that the schools are calling for and that we're providing has significantly increased this year because we know that the people running the programs in the schools are putting out sandwiches and extra fruit and Little um, packets of um, juices so that they can give kids things to put into their lunch boxes. There is nothing worse than a child or a family, a parent, having to send a child off to school and they don't have something in their lunch box. So lots of people are coming forward, lots of schools are providing extra food, so there's no shame for any child to be facing a situation of opening an empty lunch box when, uh, with their with their peers Mm. on the playground. Mm. It's just, in WA, it's a dual economy. There is the economy of those that do work in the privileged position, and a significantly growing economy of people facing difficulty. And we know from the research, we're only servicing about 25% of those that need help. So if we're doing the numbers we're doing, and we're only helping 25% of the people that need it, what's gonna happen should 50% of the people need it? So there's a lot we've got to get ready for because we hope people understand turning down the cost of food first, very important first step and we're here to help and it's not just food bank, there's more of us. We want to see families well fed in a state as rich as WA with such a strong agricultural sector doing quality food, it's just a tragedy that people are dealing with struggling budgets and can't manage to get food together.
0: Yeah, it is just uh, unbelievable, really. Um, and now, of course, we're coming up to Christmas, which adds more pressure onto families, um, the idea of putting something special on the table for the kids for Christmas lunch. Uh, what is Food Bank doing to support West Aussies in the festive season?
2: Well, every year we work with Rotary Burswood and have a give-a-feed program, and that's where people can support a Christmas hamper So it's got nutritious food, but it's also got your special Christmas treats in it. Really important to have a bit of sunshine and brightness and and joy at Christmas. And those Give a Feed hampers have been going really well. For others, we have a campaign every Christmas so that we can ensure we've got the funds to bring forward the food that people need. And I'll be honest, we stockpile on other special surprise and delight items so that when people come into one of our branches... They not only have the food, and we have nappies and pet food and household cleaning products, personal hygiene products, but we stockpile throughout the year some surprise and delight things for Christmas. And that's just a joy when people can say to us, oh, my God, I've solved the in-laws present, or I've managed to get something to say thank you to a teacher, or something else that helps them deal with uh, being able to share the joy of Christmas, not just with their family, but with others in their street or their community or their school.
0: Yeah, it's a special thing indeed. And how can people get involved, Kate?
2: Well, the website, foodbank.org.au, has all the details on it. And where people can, look, we always appreciate a bit of treasure. So some donations can be done. But there's also ways to, you know, put your hand up for a bit of volunteering. If it's not now, next year, there's lots of ways to do that by corporates, but individuals. And there's always talent. So we're always talking to people about how we can get smarter, We want to continue to learn to be a better business that is more effective and more efficient in helping the community because, sadly, we know that things won't turn around overnight and we need to be ready for what's ahead because, as I said, we're probably only helping 25% of those that need it and that's not good enough. We can do more and we want to do more and it just brings joy to be able to take that pressure of food out of a household and fill that car with some great joy, particularly at Christmas, when so many people are dealing with other issues at Christmas. You don't need to be worried about food.
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely. And if you're out there listening and, you, and you're thinking about what to get for Christmas presents for your family, you think, geez, they've all got everything. Well, then maybe think about people who don't have everything, who don't have enough, and take Kate O'Hara, the Food Bank WA CEO's advice, and help someone less fortunate than yourself. Kate, thanks for joining us and sharing this important message on The
2: West Live. Thank you, Ben. Really appreciate the time and the interest. And here's hoping everybody gets a joyous Christmas and gets to rest a bit and relax and regenerate for a pretty big 24 ahead. What am I, a doctor or a
0: moon shuttle conductor? A doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. And what's up, Doc? Yes, it's time for our weekly checkup. And joining us on the phone is Chair of the GP Council at the Australian Medical Association in WA, Dr. Simon Tervultsen. Good morning, Doc. Good morning, everyone. And now, this first story that we want to talk about today is something that is, uh, I've got a bit of a phobia about it. I hate the idea of these parasitic worms that uh, get into the human body. There was a horrific story a couple of weeks ago of a woman who had one in her brain. Um, what are we talking about today?
3: Well, this is a thing called Strongolides, which is quite a common um, parasitic little worm that. Ends up living in the gut, but it's got a very complicated life cycle. Um, and uh, if I remember correctly, then it's uh, initially uh, inhaled or eggs are inhaled through the lungs, get into the bloodstream, and go to the gut, and can actually live there for years, in many cases with relatively low grade symptoms, but um, it can cause the gut problems. Uh, it sometimes can cause cough, lung problems, aggravate asthma, but in anyone who's immunosuppressed um, uh, people with HIV or having um, uh, immunosuppressive treatment for cancer or uh, rheumatic diseases, it can give really serious life-threatening infections. And although it's treatable with um, ivermectin, uh, it, is, it has reservoirs in animals, in the environment, and it's actually really hard to get rid of in the environment when it's associated with poor living conditions and poor sanitation. So it is a condition of poverty, poor sanitation, poor living conditions, um, often remote communities or refugees, that sort of thing. Um, And so it's actually a much bigger problem than uh, people realise because it tends to be um, somewhat hidden away.
0: Mm. And so do we have it here in Australia?
3: Yes, yes, we do. And uh, Australia actually has, in some of our remote Indigenous communities, quite high rates of it and some estimates say some of the highest rates in the world, which is, is really an indictment of... Uh, you know, Australia is a first world country uh, in not tackling this uh, and, and and allowing people to live in conditions where they're subjected to this.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But there's a new research project that is aiming to do something about it.
3: Yes, yes, and I think that this sort of thing is really to be commended, Ben, because uh, um, they're not only instead of the usual approach that we see of you know just come in and. Uh, give some treatment and say that the job's done. This project is actually looking at tackling some of the living conditions and um, factors that promote the disease being in the community as well as treating it. And they're aiming to see if they can actually eliminate it from some of the communities uh, as a pilot. And um, in an era of health... um, costing billions this is actually a five million dollar project so it's cheap it's effective it will probably pay for itself in the long run and the researchers are thinking that if they can improve some of these things they'll also reduce other diseases which are endemic and as you know we keep talking about the gap between indigenous health and the rest of Australia and this is about closing the gap and it's doing it in a practical way in conjunction with the people who are affected. So um, we can only wait and hope that it achieves the results that they are aiming for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The sort of thing that we need much more of, that's for sure. And now the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners has is petitioning the government right now to streamline processes and make it easier for overseas doctors to come into Australia. Now, there's been a lot of talk about migration this week. Uh, the government wants to crack down on dodgy student visas uh, and they want to streamline and cut out red tape when it comes to skilled workers. What does the RACGP want the government to do?
3: Well, it's, it's almost the other way around um, in that there has been barriers for a long time with the um, uh, overseas doctors. Um, some Uh, checks and balances uh, are perfectly reasonable we want people to come in who are well qualified we want to make sure that they're supported in the new environment because Australia is a different environment to other countries Uh, every country is different so um, we don't want doctors to be coming in here without any checks uh, or who are under qualified or who are well qualified but they Um, are not familiar with the Australian health system so there's an argument to say that um, some checks and balances are very important but at the same time there's also been evidence and I've heard it myself of um, incredible delays incredible bureaucracy um, and it just costing enormous amounts of money and taking months and months and months for doctors, even to get simple things like a provider number so that they can practice. And in the past, I have to say that the Royal College of GPS has probably contributed to that Um, bureaucracy and certainly uh, the Australian Health Practitioner Regulation Authority, which is the body that oversees doctors and health professionals registration has not been helpful either as has Medicare being slow in issuing provider numbers. So it's been a combination of things. And there's been a report done by Robin Crook, uh, a senior bureaucrat, who's come up with a whole lot of recommendations about streamlining the system. Um, And some of those actually have been directed at Royal College of GPs to streamline their processes. And I think what the college is now saying is that they're supportive of that, and they would like to um, get on with implementing it, and certainly we hope that that's the case. Um, and, and of course, in the end, we've got to remember that uh, we really should be training more of our own doctors and, in particular, making general practice attractive for uh, young doctors as a career choice, which is a challenge for government because that has been an increasing problem in recent years. And we can't just keep endlessly importing doctors from overseas. But at the moment, particularly in more remote uh, r- and rural areas, we're reliant to some extent on um, overseas trained doctors. And it's just nonsensical if we put unrealistic barriers in place. And these barriers also were affecting the, um, the doctors who were supervising or employing uh, these overseas doctors so as to make it so burdensome and difficult that um, it was almost impossible. And I've certainly heard of at least one case of a doctor whose visa was likely to run out and she was likely to run out and get deported um, before she'd gone through all the steps of getting approval to stay here. So it, there were some really ridiculous sorts of barriers that Um, Robin Crook uh, and her report have recommended in terms of uh, um, streamlining and improving. If we're going to ask doctors to come from overseas, we should make the process as straightforward as possible.
0: Yeah, and we know uh, the health systems around Australia uh, are struggling under the weight of uh, staff shortages uh, and certainly having some more doctors in the country would be pretty, pretty advantageous indeed. And now, Dr Tervoltz, this is the last time we're going to have you on the West Live this year. You're leaving us a little bit early. We're giving you an early mark uh, because I I imagine you're heading over to Sydney uh, for the Sydney to Hobart
3: yes yes we're off on a uh, saturday to start getting uh, our boat prepared to do the sydney hobart race which of course as everyone knows starts on boxing day and will be one of two boats representing uh, um, western australia and uh, we are hopeful to make a good showing then but uh, it's a very difficult race to win and it's a new boat with a fairly new crew so We're going to do our best for WA and uh, and hopefully uh, get some kind of a place uh, and and I hope that everyone actually will have a good time. It's a bit of a notoriously difficult and rough race.
0: It's certainly a hard race to win. Yeah, and so what is the name of the boat so people can uh, tune in and
3: keep uh, keep track of it? Well, anyone can follow the fleet on the cruising yacht of... Cruising Yacht Club of Australia website, the Sydney, Google Sydney Hobart Yacht Race, and our boat is called Atomic Blonde. Atomic Blonde. It's not named after the movie. My daughters were blonde and the first boat was Blondie, and so this is the souped-up version, so we thought it was the Atomic Blonde.
0: Well, there we go. Atomic Blonde, racing for glory for WA. Love it. Uh, Chair of GPs at the AMA in WA, Dr. Simon Tavaltson. Thanks for joining us on the West Live and thanks for joining us this year. It's been a pleasure having you give us our weekly checkup on the show.
3: You're, you're welcome. I hope everyone has a wonderful Christmas and New Year.
0: The Wild West. <laughs> Joining me back in the studio is Sunrise Correspondent Matt Tenney. G'day, mate. G'day. We're getting delusional almost, yeah, aren't we? It's that time of the year, right? Yeah. Well, it's, you've only got a couple of days left. We've got yeah, another mate. whole week. Um, and now, uh, this is a story from your home state of Victoria. Oh. Uh, so, you know, you've got these um, traffic cameras these days that, you know, like they catch people going through red light cameras and whatnot. Yes. Well, they're more sophisticated now, so they can crack down on people on the phone or not wearing seatbelts. Oh, yes. um, so, I don't know how they ping you, but obviously they're looking inside the Car, but look these with these new traffic. What did they cameras, find? In, finding, they've found finding, something, they're haven't they're they're they? Some things, S- some things going oh, on.
1: Do you really want to go there? <laughs>
0: well, look, I think we have to. It's making news in Victoria today. So these high Is, are resolution, you taking us to the gutter. The, yeah, unfortunately, okay. these high-resolution cameras um, that are directed, <laughs> so they're, they're directed. If you think about it, so they're aimed at spotting you <laughs> if you're using a phone or not wearing a seatbelt. So they're yes, kind of aimed, aimed at the lap, the lap, the lap oh, of drivers. No. We can already. They have and they have apparently caught mm-hmm. Victorian drivers performing sneaky sex acts while they're, waiting, <laughs> while, they're while they're waiting while they're driving while they're waiting at the stoplights, <laughs> um, <laughs> and so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> can you imagine apparently... the people whose job it is to review these
0: photos? Yeah, and so it, so if if they're caught on a phone okay. or a seatbelt, these images are referred to Victoria Police. But yes. Um, Victorian Police spokesperson said that images of people getting a bit amorous um were withheld, so they weren't they weren't sent on. So, so, it's, I not, don't know so it's, it's not. So it's not an offence. No, it's it's apparently not an offence. Okay. How is that possible? I don't know. Um, although you could face charges of careless driving. Yeah, that's why I
1: would have thought it would have come under, even yeah. though you're at a stoplight.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I don't know. So, so these images aren't given to Victoria Police by the, you know, the traffic camera people. Yeah. But who, who gets them? Where do they go? I know
1: they yeah. probably end up on sort of reddit or something
0: <laughs> exactly <laughs> just google that you know, later today you know how victoria like uh, road safety had all those famous ads uh, back in the day of like you know just brutally visceral oh yes, ads yeah yeah yeah
1: we had really crazy yeah, ones victoria- over there I, I where, where it was what like what's the name of that organization
0: cra- the road safety is over there vra VR, VR. tac tac the TAC, yeah, that's yeah, it yeah. i'd love to see what the trc yeah, ad Accident campaign yeah. the tac well, ad now. campaign <laughs> around this is. <laughs> I don't even so, want to touch so it. There's so many lines here. So everybody, uh, you know, if you're curious to see the latest TAC mm. uh, public safety uh, commercial, yes. just, just go to Pornhub and just, <laughs> just look up TAC. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't look don't. up TAC. That could be an abbreviation for something that I don't want to put my name to. Do not do that. Um, but there you go. So just think about that because WA has look, those it traffic cameras as well. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't surprise me at all that it's
1: happening, but it's quite funny that it's being oh. captured, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It just goes to show these days. I think in this modern world, people think that they have privacy. Nah, probably no, not as much as they no, think. No. CCTV cameras everywhere, people. Yeah. Um, and we'll be back tomorrow from 7am and don't forget to subscribe to The West Live wherever you get your podcasts. Maddie, we'll talk to you then. Catch you tomorrow, mate. You've been listening to The West Live with Ben O'Shea. If the story behind the story matters to you, then you can count on the thewest.com to deliver.